Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hi, everybody. Mark Lawrence once again with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football cards. And, Victor, wouldn't you know it, it must be November because the college football playoff rankings are now out. You got that right. The busiest month of the year when you are a sports better, a sports handicapper. We are smack dab in the middle of the World Series. NHL and NBA have been playing for a couple of weeks now. We've got college football winding down the regular season, actually. NFL hot and heavy about halfway through the year as well. Uh, you mentioned it. The college football rankings came out yesterday. And for us, a pretty good weekend when it comes to the totals. That's both in college football and in the NFL. For our uh, King Creole service, we started last Thursday with a nice winner on over the total in the Baltimore Ravens-Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. We came back on Saturday in college football with a couple of three-star over-the-totals that both cashed, and that was in the ACC game between Wake Forest and Louisville. I don't know if you watched that game or not, but it had that wild third quarter in which Wake Forest turned the ball over seven times on offense that resulted in 35 Louisville points what an amazing third quarter of that particular game. Uh, we did come back on Saturday night with a three-star over the total winner in the Baylor-Texas Tech game. And then on Sunday in the NFL, Mark, our five-star NFL game of the month was on over the total Miami Dolphins versus Detroit Lions. That was pretty much a piece of cake. Both teams had combined for over 500 offensive yards by halftime. We cashed that over in the third quarter nicely done there and then of course we wrapped it up on Sunday night with a three-star winner on under the total in the Buffalo Bills Green Bay Packers game so a good week for our totals we're looking forward to the weekend before we get to it though Mark we've got to talk about those college playoff rankings in which the very first one came out yesterday yes they did Victor and uh, before I get to that I have to say this I know that there must be a well-fed dog this week, and that would have to be Tuco after that performance last week on his over-total play on the Dallas Cowboys. We eclipsed that total in the first half. You know, it, it, it's been, it was Tuco's best over that he's ever hit in his short little four-year career as a handicapper. Uh, in the totals tip sheet newsletter, the play was on Dallas to score over 26 points. In their game against the Bears, a lot of people were scratching their heads a little bit. You're going to play Dallas over the total against the great Bears defense? Yes, Tuco did. He loaded up on some great database uh, applications and situations. And you're absolutely right. They had 21 points after one quarter. And he actually cashed that game midway through the second quarter when Dallas got to 28 points. Again, Tuco's... Best over winner in his career, and he's got a nice one going this week as well. Thank you, Mark. Well, we sure love rocking chair games, Victor, and that was indeed the epitome of a rocking chair football game. As you mentioned here, college football, the polls came out for the college football poll playoffs came out this week. And so as it, in the beginning of the show, I mentioned it must be November because that's exactly what happened. And, you know, every time the polls come out, they needed they, they're scrutinized from top to bottom. Everybody has an opinion, so forth and whatnot. And I would say probably the biggest surprise to me, at least, was the fact that a team who was ranked number one in the AP and the college football coaches poll was number three in this poll. And the surprise would be Tennessee coming in as the number one team in the college football poll rankings. I found that to be a little bit of a surprise. What was your take on the, your initial view on the poll rankings this week, Victor? Right. I agree with you on that one, Mark. There's also a couple of undefeated teams who are on the outside still looking in. That would be Michigan at 8-0 in the number five slot. 
TCU in the number seven slot at eight and zero. Oh. The top group of five team is the Green Wave from Tulane, and our friends down there in New Orleans, number nineteen, the top ranked group of five team. The only other group of five team that is uh, in the top twenty five rankings is also an AAC team, and that would be Central Florida. But Mark, if you're asking me who should be a little bit uh, angry, perhaps. In regards to the polls, I would say a team like TCU. What do you think about that team? They have four wins over teams that were ranked. That's the same as Michigan, Georgia, and Alabama combined. The Horn Frogs have four road wins, which is double the tally for Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, or Alabama. So I think you can base that perhaps TCU can be ranked even a little bit higher. I'm also a little surprised, Mark, that UCLA is ranked lower than USC because the Trojans have only played two decent teams, Utah and Oregon State. They nearly lost to the Beavers, and they did lose to Utah, a team that UCLA defeated. And don't forget, the Bruins' only loss came to a top-10 foe, which was Oregon, and finally, you can even make a case bit that Tulane should be a little bit pissed off, perhaps, at least when comparing them to Kansas State, because the Green Wave is ranked six spots behind Kansas State, which has two losses, including one loss, to Tulane. So a couple of teams that perhaps deserve slightly higher rankings. Mark, do you see any teams that perhaps you think should be ranked a little higher? Well, you know, I think arguably Clemson edging out Michigan could be a starting point. Uh, I think it was a little bit more of the good old boys putting Clemson in that number four slot as opposed to Michigan. Now, that also goes to the committees, uh, how much they wrap their arms around strength of schedule and what that means. And Michigan's schedule has been very Charmin-like thus far, opening up the season as they did. So, you know, that could uh, end up being one case as well. Uh, and I concur with you about the TCU. Their body of work is second to none this football season. I know they've been in some close call football games, but you can't refute where they've done and who they've done it against so far this football season here. TCU is one of four Big 12 conference teams that made the top rankings. The Big 10 also had four teams in the rankings, leading the pack were five teams from the ACC, the Pac-12, and the SEC. And as you mentioned here, Victor, the two teams out of the AAC were the group of five teams that rounded up all the rankings of the top 25 football teams. And uh, we could have, Victor, very likely this week and the next few weeks, a preview of the college football playoff head-to-head -head games. And we have that this week, possibly with Tennessee and Georgia going head-to-head the number one and number three teams inside this college football poll ranking. And then in three weeks or so, what do we have? Michigan playing Ohio State. We could end up arguably seeing all four of these teams in the college football playoff. So it would be round two, if you will, if that ends up shaking out that particular way. So, you know, there's a lot of storylines going on here right now. And uh, the one before I move off of this subject here, Victor, is the fact that, uh, and you mentioned, we talked a little bit about it earlier on, that, the rankings came out in 2014, and I've been keeping a tally of each and every week of the rankings since the beginning, and ironically, in 2014, the number one team in the very first poll was Mississippi State, and what Mississippi State happens to be is the only number one team in that was seeded number one in the polls that never made it to the playoffs. So anybody along the way who has been seated number one has made it to the playoffs, except the initial number one, and that happened to be Mississippi State in 2014. There was another comment you made about a team you mentioned, Victor, in 2014, uh, about a team that maybe perhaps won the national championship. Right. That's why I kind of say that, heck, anybody ranked in the top 16 in, after this first initial poll has a shot to win this thing because in that first poll, Way back in 2014, the 16th-ranked team in that poll was the Ohio State Buckeyes. And guess what? They went on to win the whole thing that year. So uh, the Buckeyes were number 16 and went all the way to number one. 
You mentioned Mississippi State fell. The Buckeyes rose. So, again, you never know uh, amongst these top 15 to 20 teams, anybody can still get in at this point. Well, all I know, Victor, is that we do have a total right now of six teams left in the world of college football. And inside the midweek alert, which I'd like to share with our listeners and our viewers out there, there are only three teams left that have won the yards in every football game they played, Georgia, Illinois, and Michigan. So keep those in mind. And only three teams, by the way, Victor, that have guarded their opponents an average of 200 yards a game, those being, again, Michigan, Georgia, and Ohio State. So keep that in mind when you're moving forward. We we visit a little bit that way in our newsletter this week in a smart box feature we call Putting on the Stats. You can read all about that in the Playbook Football newsletter this week. Mark, don't forget that three newsletter special as well. We're still running that three for a quarter total tip sheet newsletter, midweek alert newsletter, playbook newsletter, cleaning up on the five star best bets as you can see over the last three weeks. Three for a quarter. Get all three of this week's issues of our playbook publications for just 25. And of course, that's at the website, www.playbooksports.com. That's what you call a big bang for the buck, Victor. Those three newsletters for 25 bucks, you can't beat that for sure. Let's move over to the NFL side of things this week. And uh, let's start it off with our good friend, Steve Crabb, the Texas Tornado. And we want to bring us to, to the forefront here. He nominates a team each and every week that he calls the most embarrassed team. Last week, his nominee was New England Patriots, who lived up to the billing and bounced back in a big way against the New York Jets. It could have been Tampa Bay. It could have been Green Bay. But Texas Tornado went with New England. Kudos to him. I would say, personally, the number one most embarrassed team this week might be the Las Vegas Raiders, who went into New Orleans as a favorite last week and didn't score a single point. I don't know if you put any thought to that yet or not, Victor, and I haven't heard from the Texas Tornado, but put me down for the Las Vegas Raiders for my most embarrassed team out of last week's performance in the National Football League. I'm with you. You and Steve on that, Mark, if I can, real quick. Uh, the Raiders, definitely the most embarrassed team in the league. Only 183 total yards in that game against a Saints defense that's been a little below par on the season. Very, very surprising. They ran the ball for only 38 yards against the Saints. Again, only 183 total yards. Uh, easily the lowest offensive total of the week last week. And you know what? There is, are some uh, some talk going on right now in Las Vegas. Maybe we can get a little more insight from Andy. The fact that it's as far as the uh, Raiders go. Well, you never know. I know I heard word that uh, he was called in by the owner. Uh, Mark Davis called Josh McDaniel, and they had a heart-to-heart -heart talk. So, obviously, you don't have heart-to-heart -heart talks when you're going real well. Uh, so, obviously, there's something in the making there. Right now, whether or not anything comes of that, we'll see. But uh, yeah, that could also lead into maybe a bigger, better effort by the Las Vegas Raiders this particular week. Uh, also, what wrapped up this past week, Victor, was uh, a real bevy of trades in the national trading deadline this past Tuesday. There were 10 trades on Tuesday alone. That's the most ever in one day on it in, in the trade deadline. And I think some teams did themselves well, and I think some teams maybe perhaps missed the boat, swung and missed. Uh, my trade, my team winners before the trade deadline, you had to put San Francisco up there at the top with Christian McCaffrey. And Baltimore Ravens picking up Roquan Smith. I mean, he's a 25-year-old stud who you know who could anchor that defense for the next 10 years if he if they can sign him. Obviously, that's going to be the big key question. But the other two teams on trade day that I think did a real masterful job and really helped their football team was our Miami Dolphins down here. Uh, they I think they did a wonderful job uh, securing Bradley Chubb to that defense. They, they shore up the defense, which is going to benefit Tua Tagovailoa and that offense uh, a whole whole lot. It'll put, keep them on the field a little bit more if that's going to get the other team off the field. And the other team, I think, Victor, that uh, did a real good job on trade deadline day was the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. They picked up a tight end and two fourth rounders. How does how that to come out of a trade deadline? A, a, a real good tight end and two fourth rounders. On my losers list, Victor, I have at the top of the heap again, and it's no surprise to anybody, the Green Bay Packers who simply refuse to make trades and instead live by their homegrown talent philosophy of will develop players out of the draft 
if we're not going to trade for them. And uh, <laughs> it just befuddled me. I mean, this football team couldn't look any sicker or more pathetic than they have in the past three or four weeks. And they don't even lift a finger to make a move. It's just mind boggling how they do that. And my other losing team I have to mark down would be the LA Rams who missed out on Christian McCaffrey and had a chance to pick up Kareem Hunt from the Cleveland Browns. Obviously they did, couldn't get together on a trade like that and run an opt instead for Cam Akers. And I think that's going to be a big mistake by the Rams for doing just that and not securing Kareem Hunt by the trade deadline. Any thoughts from you on that trade deadline that just passed? You just about hit them all, Mark. I would agree with you with the 49ers. And, and you know, you can look no further than Sunday's fantastic three-touchdown performance by Christian McCaffrey, the first guy since 2005 to throw one, catch one, and run one since LaDainian Tomlinson in 2005. So, I mean, he brings a versatility and a potency to that offense that already has guys like Debo Samuel and George Kittle. You mentioned the Dolphins. Things are very exciting down here in South Florida. It's like they're going all in on the 2022 season as well. You mentioned the Ravens. I would agree with that one as well. Uh, the Vikings getting this uh, great T.J. Hawkins in the tight end. And uh, I would also say the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, like they need to get any better. But yes. the fact that they, they got Robert Quinn from the Chicago Bears uh, is going to help an already stout defense in terms of the Philadelphia Eagles. You mentioned the losers. Rams definitely on the list. Green Bay Packers on the list. And I would also put the Detroit Lions who – look like a team who have kind of officially thrown in the towel as well. Yeah, between uh, the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears, who had a fire sale, it looks like uh, the NFC North might be Minnesota's free sailing, clear sailing, unless Green Bay can obviously get their act back together. Before we go over to our football game of the week on the show today, as I do each and every week, I want to review the current playoff picture going into this weekend of the NFL teams if the playoffs were to start. The same two number one seeds that were there last week are the same two number one seeds this week. And the front runners to make the Super Bowl, those being Buffalo and Philadelphia, number two team, Tennessee. If you can believe the Titans are the number two seed, it's just mind boggling to me. But they are. <laughs> they are. And the Minnesota Vikings at number two. Number three, Kansas City and Seattle, the upstart Seattle Seahawks. Great job by Pete Carroll turning that football program back to where it used to be. Number four seeds, Baltimore and Atlanta, just simply by default because they're leading their division and that's where they would be if the playoffs were to begin today. Number five seeds, the New York Jets, who I can slowly see starting to step backwards here, Victor. And the Jets, I think, are going to struggle in the second half of this football season here, but we'll find that out. And the Dallas Cowboys, number six, the Miami Dolphins and the New York Giants. And the two final number seven seeds, the Chargers and the San Francisco 49ers. There is nowhere to be found on this list, Victor, anywhere. The Cincinnati Bengals, the Tampa Bay Bucks, or the Green Bay Packers. That's, and uh, you mentioned Tennessee and the fact that they're the number two seed, and yet they have been outscored on the year. They've been outstatted in almost every single game, like you mentioned. Uh, it's amazing, and, and things are going to come back to bite this team once we get into the second half for the season, Mark. That's for sure. Well, you mentioned Tennessee there that way. And uh, between Tennessee and Atlanta, who makes the playoffs, those two football teams, they've only won the yards one time each in all their games so far this football season. So, you know, that's smoke and mirror jobs, and I don't think these teams are going to be uh, – Maybe Tennessee might improve. They're going to have to improve on that, obviously. But uh, the Atlanta Falcons, that could be another question for another day. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. We're visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports. And, Victor, what do you say? Let's hop over to our college football game of the week. And we've got a big college football card on tap this week. We could have gone to the Florida, I'm sorry, the, the Georgia-Tennessee football game. But we covered that pretty well in depth in our newsletter. We're going to stay inside the Southeast Conference instead and go to a, a matchup of two teams that have a lot of playoff implications involved when Alabama takes on LSU this weekend, a big showdown game between two old rivals. Victor, how do you see the Tide and the Tigers shaking out on Saturday? Right. Uh, Baton Rouge is going to be rocking on Saturday night. That is for sure. The game nationally televised on ESPN-TV, and they're kicking off down there at 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific time. 
uh, Alabama on the road against LSU. The Crimson Tide opened up uh, about a 13-point road favorite. That's right about what the line is currently as we record the show here in the podcast on Wednesday afternoon. And the over-under line hasn't moved too much either. It opened at 58, and that's exactly where it is again uh, on Wednesday afternoon, 58.0 points in this particular game. The series between these two teams, uh, only, let me see here, two of the last eight meetings have actually gone over the total. That's two overs, six unders in the last eight games between Alabama and LSU. With that said, however, we will note that in the last three years, the average buying points per game has still been 64.3. And again, we're using this week's line of 58 as our kind of baseline when we're comparing it to other numbers. In terms of the Alabama Crimson Tide, they are a three and five or under team on the season, three overs, five unders. Their average line has been 61.2, average combined points 59.8, and their average margin minus 1.4. LSU kind of cancels that out a little bit. They're a similar over-under team. They've gone three and five over-under. Average line in LSU games, 53.3. Average combined points, 56.3. Average margin, plus 3.0. What we will note, Mark, is the fact that this is actually the second lowest over-under line of the season for Alabama. And I think that creates a little bit of value on the over. Not to mention the fact that, don't forget, LSU has really jump-started their offense in their last games. 45 points in each of their last two games, both of which in which they had more than 500 yards of total offense. I think the game is all the elements of a classic SEC quarterback duel. you got Bryce Young, who's accounting for 291.9 total offensive yards per game on the season. With an 18 to 3 TD to interception ratio, he'll be taking on a great Jaden Daniels. Similar numbers 292 total offensive yards per game for Daniels, who likes to throw it and run the ball with a 12 to interception ratio. Uh, both teams are very well rested and healthier, playing off a of bye week as well. So you know, which Tigers team will we see? The one that put up 40-plus points on Florida or Ole Miss? Or the one that gave up 40 points and 500-plus yards versus Tennessee? Actually, Mark, uh, we'll take either. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, we mentioned our criteria for the best situations for betting Alabama overs. And guess what? It applies this week. We want to play Alabama overs when the tide is on the road and when they're taking on an opponent that we can count on to score 21 or more points. Like Alabama's over on the road against Arkansas, which went over the total by 14 points, and like their road game against Tennessee, which had over 100 combined points and went over by 33 points. We've already had two situations this year where that over has hit. We know that from a trend perspective, Alabama's 9-3 and three over under last 12 road games against a winning opponent. Also 22-9 and nine to the over after allowing less than 20 in their previous game. Uh, LSU flip-flop the numbers. They're 9-2 over under at home against any opponent with a greater 500 road record. That applies to Alabama. Uh, there's a clincher. Mark, and uh, SEC games have averaged 66.3 combined points per game in the right. last four years when the home team is a double-digit underdog. That's the case this week. LSU is catching two touchdowns. These games in the SEC have averaged 66.3 combined points per game. Based on the point spread and the over-under line, the implied score is Alabama 35.5, LSU 22.5. Half our models from the database point to something slightly higher scoring, more like 38 to 27. That's about seven or eight points higher than the current over underline. And Mark, for us, that margin 
triggers a normal play for us on the over. We're going to be watching and winning on Saturday night as we go over the total in the Alabama-LSU game. Victor looks for a well-lit scoreboard in this big matchup between Alabama and LSU in Baton Rouge and Death Valley on Saturday. Taking a look at the matchup here, we could say that arguably this is a matchup of two top 10 teams because Alabama is ranked number six in all three polls, the playoff poll, the AP, and the coaches poll. LSU comes in the number 10 ranked team in the playoff poll, but they're only number 15 in the AP poll and number 17 in the coaches poll. I've never seen such a wide gap, if you will. There's a lot of difference of opinion here, obviously, between what the uh, the playoff commission looks at committee does and the coaches do when casting their votes for these two football teams. The tie comes in here with only one loss of the season. As we all know, that was a scant three point loss. And I'm sure that kept Nick Saban up a few nights with only one loss and that being by a field goal. Both teams come into this game off buys and both teams have had really good records in games of buys. The tie 10 and three to the spread in Southeast conference games, LSU writing a five game point spread win streak when they're playing with an extra week of rest as well. If there's an Achilles heel for the tie thus far this football season, it would have to be this might be one of the more undisciplined teams that Nick Saban has coached in quite a while. They're among the most penalized teams in all of the FBS world this year. They had 15 flags thrown against them in the Tennessee game, 17 against Texas. They're going to have to shore that up here real quick if they want to get out of Baton Rouge alive in this football game here. On the other side, you've got Chip Kelly for LSU, who in his career has been an outstanding coach finding ways to win football games, but he's really struggled in the role of a double-digit underdog. I'm saying struggled at least on the scoreboard. He's been there 19 times. He's only won three times straight up as a double-digit dog, 10-9 and nine to the spread in those football games. This is a real tough game for me to handicap here because I can make cases for both sides and I could find holes on both sides of this football game as well. Put a gun to my head, I would say it would be Bama or bust for me because of their stats and what they bring into the game. They're the number four ranked team in the country, averaging 43 points a game. They're number 17 overall in total offense, averaging 485 yards. And they rank number 14 defensively overall, allowing just 296 yards a game. I think with the extra time that Nick Saban has to prepare for this football game, he will indeed take advantage. Put a small lean for me on Alabama in this football game. Once again, you're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And what do you say, Victor? Let's go over to the NFL side of things for our featured NFL game of the week. And what do we have? We have a playoff revenge game on tap, if you will, from last year when the Tampa Bay Bucks host the LA Rams, a matchup of two deeply disappointing football teams this year anyway, to say the least. Shaking out here between the Bucks and the Rams on Sunday, Victor. Well, you know, Mark, I think there's some value in this game, certainly. And that value is actually on the over. People might be a little bit gun shy based on, uh, you know, each team's uh, deficiencies on offense this year. But what I will say is that this has always been a pretty high scoring series uh, over the last decade or so. In fact, the last five meetings between the Rams and the Bucks have gone a perfect 5-0 to the over with a a very gaudy average of 65.4 combined points per game. Now, the over-under line opened at 43. It's down to 42.5. If this were a 2021 matchup between these two teams, or even if this was played like in the first or second week of this season, the over-under line could very well have been in the low 50s, 51 or 52 points. And that's giving us some value on the over in this particular game. Now, both of these teams have struggled to run the ball efficiently all season long. In fact, their last, Tampa 61.9 rushing yards per game, and second last, the Rams, only 68.4 rushing yards per game. So we got dead last versus second last rushing offenses. So I mean, heck, we should see a lot of passing attempts this week. And Mark, I'll also get into the rushing aspect of our database for the first two pertinent queries. And one is a 14-2 and over-under query 
since 2005, and that's game five or greater, non-division home favorites, when both teams average 3.5 or less yards per rush on the year, that applies to this particular game. And there's another one from the database that's gone 13 and one over under non-division home favorites who run for 3.5 or less yards per carry, but allow 4.7 or more. And that's Tampa lousy rushing uh, offense, lousy rushing defense as well. For sure. Now, Tampa is off that Thursday game we mentioned a little bit earlier against the Baltimore Ravens. And we know that NFL home favorites of less than two touchdowns off a Thursday home game that went over the total have gone a perfect 7-0 and over-under since 2013. We also know that next week, Tampa will be making that long trek across the pond they're going to be playing that first ever game in Germany next week, Seattle. And since 25, we always look for non-division teams before a neutral site game to go over the total. In fact, this has gone 19 and two over under since 2005. Wow. Non-division NFC teams before they play a neutral site game the following week. That applies to Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. Uh, the fact that L.A. is in the middle of what we call a division sandwich, a home play, uh, division game last week, a home division game next week, teams cut loose on offense in that in-between game. Uh, game six or greater, non-division road underdogs in between division home games, like the Rams, have gone 11-1 and over under the last three years. So, Mark, if we're all about value, there's value in this game, and it is actually on the over. We haven't decided whether we're going to use this as a two-star or a three-star King Creole play. Either way, we will be betting the value and playing Rams, Buccaneers over the total in the late afternoon kickoffs. Victor lights it up again with another over in this football game between the Rams and the Bucks on Sunday. As I mentioned, this is indeed a playoff revenge game, if you will, for Tampa Bay. They hosted the Rams here last year and were bumped out as a small home favorite. And normally I would be all over teams like that, but I like to use dogs in these particular situations, and they're not a dog, Tampa Bay. In fact, they're not playing very good football right now. It's the woes of the Bucks and Tom Brady. That's the world they live in here today. Tom Brady, the world's most eligible bachelor. That's part of his problem here. All the offseason things that's been happening in his life of late, coupled with the poor play by his teammates and himself. He's got to look himself in the mirror and say he hasn't done his job here of late as well. Is father time catching up with Tom Brady? I think unquestionably it is. There's no question about that. You've also got inside this game looking at the Tampa Bay Bucks coming to the contest here. They're on a terrible run here of late. They've lost the money six straight games in a row. And you also take a look here. What's not working for Tampa is this. Their opponents are not turning the football over here. Now, is that a soft defense that's not forcing turnovers for the Bucs? Who knows? All I know is that there's not been one turnover by their opponents in any of their past four football games. They haven't benefited from that at all. And every team in the National Football League needs to benefit from turnovers. An excessive amount, obviously, you put your yourself in a much better position. Tampa Bay is into that position coming into this football game. On the L.A. Rams side of this football game here, you've got the defending Super Bowl champion coming in here with a losing record at 3-4. and four. They have problems of their own. There's no question about that. I mentioned they didn't make a move at the trade deadline, which was a little bit surprising to me to see if they couldn't add some spark somehow to this offense that has been stagnant here of late. They've dominated Tampa in the series. They've cashed eight of the last nine tickets. And in fact, the last four times that they played an opponent that comes out of a Thursday game, they've won the money four straight times in a row. This is Sean McVay's best role in his head coaching career with the Rams. He's really good on the road as a dog. He's cashed 10 out of 15 times he's been in that role. He's also very good uh, against the NFC, if you will, in this particular, or I should say the NFC South taking on teams out of Tampa's division here. He's 10-3 and three straight up and 9-4 and four of the spread. He's been a dog three times against the NFC South. He's won and covered all three of those football games straight up. 
I mentioned Tampa Bay with this, I should say the LA Rams with this losing record here. And the reason I mentioned that is this. Defending Super Bowl champions who are underdogs with a record the following year have been really good. They're 18-7-2 against the spread. That's kind of a Rodney Dangerfield embarrassing role that they find themselves in this particular week. Until Tampa Bay shows any signs of life and being able to turn things around, I have to take advantage of taking the points with this embarrassed defending Super Bowl champion here. Give me the Rams plus the points for my side in the showdown game on Sunday. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handy talk show. And we're in right now for one of our favorite segments of the show as we hop out to Las Vegas to get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco, the publisher, editor of the Logical Approach Football Newsletter. Andy, how's everything going for you in Vegas these days? Mark, everything's going great, and I enjoyed listening to uh, both you and Victor talk about the Rams and Tampa Bay game, and uh, two thoughts come to mind uh, with that game. Number one, I wonder with Tom Brady, although it appears his skills have started to diminish noticeably, I wonder if the fact that the off-field issues surrounding his now uh, divorce, with that certainty, might allow him to focus more on football and how much did that really affect his play over the past month or so since those rumors uh, first surfaced. We may find some answers out to that on uh, on, on this Sunday. But as to the total, uh, a more significant point is we talk, and we'll talk about later in this segment, about those, uh, over, those, those look-ahead lines and, of course, in the playbook annual, you had the uh, point spreads for the sides from over the summer. The Westgate also put out totals, and this is something I wanted to talk about two weeks ago, and it escaped me the last couple of weeks. Uh, with the lower scoring that we've seen so far this year in the NFL, most of those totals that you could actually bet upon over the summer uh, – are much higher than the ones that had been reposted in the 10-day advanced lines and one of the games that had perhaps the most significant uh, change due to the scoring of these teams involved was the Tampa Bay Rams game. The total when it was reposted uh, or was posted with the 10-day advanced line was 43 and when it was reposted on Sunday after Sunday's action it was 43 and was bet down to 42 and a half. Over the summer that line was 51 and a half. So we're talking about Almost a 10-point adjustment and already over a one-touchdown adjustment. Whether that influences anybody, I'm not sure. But it is perhaps the most dramatic uh, movement that I've seen from what was available over the summer when nobody had played a game yet as opposed to what uh, came out a few weeks ago, uh, 10 days in advance after I think the teams had played six games at that point. Well, Victor, that sure sounds like a lot of value that went your way, at least to that total from that aspect of what it was to where it is today. And in that same regard, Andy, remind me, if you will, sometime over the course of the summer when we put next year's preview guide magazine together, I'm going to reach out to Jay Cornegay and find out if we can get our hands on those early over-under season win totals, and we'll put them in the preview guide magazine right alongside those opening lines. And I know Victor would love to see them in there as well. Sure. Yeah, the season season win totals, but also we're talking about the totals in the games. I I yes, think totals, the I think the the total wins normally come out either right before or right after the schedule is released in uh, in 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 early May. Now we've known we know every year at the end of the regular season who and where the teams are going to play the following year because of the fixed schedules, the division, etc. We may not know necessarily, I'm not sure if we knew this year, who that 17th game was against, which was that added game. But the rest of the schedule, uh, the, the split down of the schedule remains the same. So we know at least 16, if not all 17, of the opponents. We also know whether those games are going to be at home or on the road. So I've seen even a lot of offshore places this past year put out season win totals uh, back uh, in early to mid-February which is even before free agency starts. But once we get into mid to late May and these totals come out, uh, those are uh, something that we can pretty much rely on as far as being able to make our projections as to most schedule difficulty. You know, I'm, Mark, I think you do the same. I do the same. Victor, We don't use last year's win-loss records for schedule difficulty. We use projected season win totals for the current season for, de- for determining uh, schedule difficulty. But I think this past summer may have been the first year where in addition to the game lines for the full, 18-week schedule, they put out over-unders. I don't recall if they did that in 2021. Wouldn't have been surprised if they didn't because COVID was still a concern uh, as to its after effects, but not nearly what it was in 2020. But this year with no COVID concerns, really, uh, there was no reason to expect that there'd be any unforeseen interruptions in the season. 
Well, we'll certainly look into those early advanced numbers on the over uh, on the over under totals for these football teams for next year. And I know that'll make Victor a happy camper because they'll have a lot to chew on between when that magazine comes out and when the season starts for sure. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, publisher of one of the best football newsletters in the land. If you haven't scored a copy, log on to TheLogicalApproach.com, get yourself a subscription and put yourself in a prime position to win because there's a lot of great information inside that weekly newsletter. Andy, as we always do on this week, how about a spin through what's happened in the contest in Las Vegas last week from the major contests, if you will. I'll start, uh, Mark, with the Golden Nugget Contest. That's the one that combines college and NFL side selections. Uh, it's been uh, popular in recent years. It uh, was a derivation of some of the old uh, contests that Leroy's used to have here in Las Vegas. Uh, it's, you make uh, seven selections week uh, a week against the spread. Uh, surprisingly, the leaders, well, as I would have expected at this stage of the season, and largely because of not just the upsets in the NFL, but upsets in college football as well. Uh, we have one contestant with 36 and a half of a possible 56 points. That's seven selections uh, times eight weeks. That's just 65 percent, 65.2 percent. And as the uh, graphic will show, it goes down to uh, uh, the bottom where we've got three contestants at uh, 32 and a half or 58 percent. So that contest not doing as well as, as it has in uh, past seasons. But getting to the, the major contest, the NFL contest and looking over at Westgate, uh, which had uh, slightly under 1,600 entries this year at $1,000 an entry. Uh, through seven weeks, the top five plays, everybody likes to follow the, the consensus of uh, who's, what five plays are the most popular. Uh, the consensus was hitting a perfect 60%, or right at 60%, 21 and 14 against the spread. In week eight, the top selections uh, of the five, five consensus plays, winners with the Patriots, Titans, and Browns, Losers with the Cardinals and the Raiders. So a three and two week keeps that percentage right at 60% for the top five plays, 24 and 16. One contestant has a possible, uh, has 29 and a half out of a possible 40 points. That's 73, almost 74% winners. Nice. Another contestant uh, right behind at 29 points with 72 and a half percent. And it goes down to uh, what we're showing on the graphic, which is the final position where the uh, top 30 plus ties share in the prize pool 26 and a half 66 percent that's almost two out of every three uh you know like a half of that uh through uh, through eight weeks the super contest gold which is the five thousand dollar winner take all contest also five uh, selections that one only drew 80 uh, entries at five thousand dollars a pop this year one contestant is at 29 points out of a possible 40. That's 72.5%. One contestant uh, is a, a half point back. And then there's a two-point gap uh, to the uh, two contestants tied for third. And again, this is a, a winner-take-all. The uh, biggest contest now in Las Vegas is the Circa Million and the Circa Survivor. Uh, the Circa Million fashioned right after the uh, super contest at the Westgate with five selections uh, per week. Looking at the con at the consensus coming into this week, 19, 15, and 1. That's 55.7%. And uh, pretty much mirrored what happened in the Westgate contest this, uh, this past week. Patriots, Titans, Browns, three winners. Raiders and Cardinals, two losers. So a three and two week ups that 55.7%, very, very slightly, 22, 17, and 1. That's 56%. But again, as I pointed out last week, for many years when it was a much smaller contest, uh, the uh, consensus did not perform nearly as well. And, and there was a running joke for about 10 years to just play against the top five. Well, if you've done it this year, you've been making money, but not as much as you have maybe the past two or three years. And of course, we're not quite yet at the halfway point of the season. But through eight weeks, in fact, this uh, week number nine will mark the halfway point. Uh, one contestant is leading uh, the Circa Million with a possible 32 out of uh, 40 points with 30, 32 out of possible 40 that's 80 percent that's outstanding picking five games a week especially in a season that has been extremely competitive with all those uh, close margins and the number of s of upsets outright upsets that have occurred that's good enough for a point and a half lead over one contestant who's at 76 percent and then three more contestants a half point further back at 75 percent uh, but uh, the, the the contest that's attracted all the attention nationwide and worldwide, for that matter, has been Circa Survivor. Uh, this is the third year of the contest after an initial uh, season in which uh, I think it was 35 or 36 people were perfect through 18 weeks. Uh, 
uh, shared in the prize. Last year, they expanded the contest to break Thanksgiving and Christmas into two separate weeks. So there were 20 weeks in the contest. Five people still went a perfect 20 and 0. Uh, we may not have 20 left going into the month of uh, December this year, uh, based wow. upon what's happened through uh, the first eight weeks. Although this past week was a very good week for the few contestants who still remained. Through seven weeks, only 125 or 2% of the original 6,133 entries remained alive. And those 125 entries, 123 of them advanced. The top three selections, 61 on the Cowboys, 38 on the Eagles, 12 on the Falcons. Only two were eliminated. Uh, the Colts uh, had one entrant select them, and the Jaguars had another entrant. So 123 of the original field. Still 2%, but slightly less than the 2.04 last week. 97.99%, 6,010 contestants uh, eliminated. Now, I have been tracking the last few weeks where we stand this year compared to uh, the 2021 results when there were 4,000 entries. Last year, a little bit over 2,200 entries, or maybe a little under 20, I think a little under 22. 50, I think it was 54, 52% remained alive last year out of the original 4,000. Uh, week eight last year was a bad week for the contestants, so that after week eight of this year, instead of over 50%, 29% of the field remained. So that's still a significant increase or a significant greater amount than the amount that remains alive this year. So uh, a good week for the contestants that remained uh, last year, not a good week. And we still have to remember we've got that Thanksgiving week coming up in a few weeks where uh, you've got three uh, Thursday night, Thursday Thanksgiving Day game, so that only allows six teams. Uh, the contestants may have to be very careful there, be, and I think they have it on the website what the availability is for the remaining contestants. Uh, but you want to have at least one or two of those six teams remaining alive that you can have it. And, you know, if people didn't plan right of the 123 that remain, there may be uh, just one or two teams that those contestants have. But we'll follow that over the following month as we get uh, uh, close to and past Thanksgiving. Well, Andy, I can only say this, that the guy that picked the Jacksonville Jaguars last week, if you're going to write a memoir, he might title it like, How the Jacksonville Jaguars Cost Me $6 Million. Uh, sort of unfathomable for me to, to think that uh, the Jacksonville Jaguar, Jaguars would be a choice like that. Not that it's over, and they were certainly favored in their football game against a struggling Denver team, but uh, all in all, looking back, uh, I might second-guess that particular choice. Yeah, I, I mean, the one game, and I think a lot of people were eliminated with Jacksonville when they played Houston, the team pretty much on their level. Uh, Jacksonville is an improved team, but still not a very good team. Denver is a talented team that had not been playing to their level of ability. And so that made it sort of like you were asking a, a team that didn't have much upside to go against a team with upside that hadn't played to that potential last week. And uh, we saw a number, uh, again, just uh, eliminated, fortunately, just one person. But people who struggled with Jacksonville a few weeks earlier, uh, uh, and I think it was that week against Houston where quite a number were on Jacksonville. They were a seven-point favorite, uh, but uh, uh, they lost. I think that eliminated. And, and, again, part of the strategy You've got you, there are 12 teams that you're not going to be able to pick over the course of the season. Meaning, at some point, you're going to have to pick some mediocre teams. And if you can fight, find the right spot where you don't have to use a good team, but rather one of those mediocre teams, you take your chance. And uh, people took the chance with Jacksonville. It was not an unreasonable pick from a strategy standpoint, but from a practical point, it's tough to ask a good team, a bad team, rather, to do something good, especially when that team has a history of being a bad team. Especially with $6 million on the line. <laughs> uh, we're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com, going through the contest results in Las Vegas from the very, very popular football contest in Las Vegas. And, Andy, if you would do us a favor here, I know our listeners would love to know what you know about the look-ahead lines that are coming up from uh, early in the preseason and from what Jay at the Westgate put out last week in advance of this week's games. Sure. This uh, We'll begin with the Thursday night game because this is one of the more dramatic uh, movements. Understandable, but maybe not quite to the extent that we've seen. Uh, the Eagles are at uh, Houston in the uh, second part of the uh, Houston-Philadelphia uh, uh, double sport along with the World Series that will be taking place Thursday night. Uh, over the summer, the Eagles, a playoff team last year, expected to be good this year. The Texans, not expected to be a good team. So when the line was set over the summer of the Eagles, six and a half, it made sense. 
Uh, then we've seen these teams play six games roughly, and uh, the look-ahead line 10 days ago before week, uh, 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 I think it was before actually week eight, we'd seen six or seven games played. Eagles were nine-point road favorites, which is a reasonable adjustment considering the early season form of both teams. When that game came down as Sunday's games were played, and was got reposted. The Eagles were as 12-and-a-half-point road favorites. That's more than a field goal adjustment. And since that time, as we record the podcast in midweek, Eagles up to a 14-point uh, road wow. favorite with barely over 24 hours remaining until kickoff. Uh, I'm not suggesting uh, that you go out and play the Texans, but certainly if you are a value uh, uh, player, that represents about as huge a quote-unquote value. If you believe, not that the six-and-a-half-point line over the summer was a good line, but the 10-day advance line of nine with the yes, still unbeaten okay. Eagles. Yeah, right. was was a reasonable number. Uh, looking at some other significant line movements, the Chargers at the Falcons. Over the summer, the Chargers were reasonable seven-point road favorites over the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, at the time, Chargers expected to win uh, nine and a half, ten games, Atlanta four and a half or five. When the 10-day advance line was posted, the Chargers were put in as three-point uh, road favorites. That's where they then again opened when the limits were increased, and that's where uh, that line uh, still remains. The Bengals over the summer, seven and a half point home favorites against Carolina after uh, the performances of the Bengals. Mon- uh, well, actually, they hadn't played yet on Monday when the line came out, uh, the, but the pain with their performance over the uh, uh, the weekend, that uh, tight game against Atlanta, uh, they were uh, Bengals were nine point home favorites, and then uh, the line after. The Bengals were uh, beaten badly by the Browns Monday night. Bengals down to seven-and-a-half-point home favorites, which is basically where it was over the summer. Bit of an overreaction, perhaps, to that one Monday night loss. Green Bay, another team that showed a significant yet understandable change. Six-and-a-half-point road favorites at Detroit over the summer. When the 10-day advance line was posted, this was before the Green Bay-Buffalo game Sunday night, uh, the uh, Packers uh, were three-and-a-half-point favorites after the Buffalo loss uh, to uh, by the Packers. Line was back at uh, uh, at three. Interesting line move involving the Raiders and the Jaguars. Over the summer, the Raiders, understandably, were three-point uh, road favorites uh, at Jacksonville. Um at that point, we knew that Jacksonville would be playing the week before this game in, in London, so it wasn't any adjustment. It was, uh, the 10-day advance line had the Raiders two-and-a-half-point road favorites, and then the Raiders laid that egg in New Orleans. Yep. The game opened Sunday uh, afternoon or evening after Jacksonville had lost in London as a pick and that might have been a bit of an overreaction, although the Raiders have been bet back up, up to one-and-a-half, but not the two-and-a-half were just uh, uh, 10 days ago. Uh, Patriots... Uh, one-and-a-half-point home favorites over uh, the Colts over the summer. Uh, Colts struggles. New England's better, playing better than expected. Uh, were six-and-a-half-point home favorites. Another huge adjustment. Even when the game came down on Sunday and was reposted later on Sunday, Patriots opened six-point home favorites, bet down to uh, five-and-a-half. This is a little bit surprising. The Buffalo Bills, seven-and-a-half-point road favorites over the summer. And, of course, they've pretty much performed as expected in the early part. The Jets... Uh, have performed much better. When the 10-day advance line came out, uh, the Buffalo Bills from 7.5 put back up at 10.5-point road favorites. Then after the Jets lost on Sunday afternoon, uh, they uh, uh, put the Bills back up as 11.5-point road favorites, and they're now up to 12.5-point home favorites. And the Jets have performed modestly against Buffalo in recent years, so I'm wondering if maybe a bit of an overreaction uh, there. Uh, just uh, one other game that is uh, is worth noting, and uh, that's the uh, Tennessee at Kansas City game. Over the summer, the Chiefs were six-and-a-half-point home favorites uh, versus the Titans. The 10-day advance came out. Tennessee had won, I think, four in a row at that time. That's now five in a row that the Titans had won. Uh, Chiefs were installed as 10-and-a-half-point home favorites. Sunday afternoon, when they were reposted, 11-and-a-half. They've been up to 12-and-a-half. So another significant adjustment uh, in a game involving two teams. Well, Rams and well, the Rams and Bucks, the total had the big adjustment. But you had two playoff teams in the Titans and Chiefs from last year, and you've seen a huge adjustment from over the summer and even over the two weeks of a two-point adjustment. And that those pretty much are the significant line moves that occurred either from the summer to the 10-day line or from the 10-day line to the current line. What stands out to me, Andy, is public enemy number one, the fans supporting the Buffalo Bills, come hell or high water, the Buffalo Bills always seem to run while they're 
winning run that they're on here of late. Andy, if you would, before I let you go, nice winning call last week with the Cleveland Browns and a convincing win Monday night over the Cincinnati Bengals. What are you looking at this week for your complimentary play? Well, I'm going to go the second part of a scenario that the first part worked. I did the same thing a couple of weeks ago when I went against San Francisco by playing Atlanta. The hope was that San Francisco would be coming off of a loss, which they were, and then I would be on San Francisco against the uh, against the Rams. That did not work out the way that I had hoped, but I'm going to try it with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, who I expected uh, to lose last week in New Orleans. The East Coast, which I think is a positive as Jacksonville comes back from uh, from London, and I'm going with the Vegas, uh, Vegas Raiders this week, uh, who are either favored right now by one or one and a half. Uh, you know, we'd be hard-pressed to find a more inept performance uh, this season than the uh, Raiders gave last week in their 24-0 loss at the Saints. Uh, we had, we did have the game pegged correctly with the Saints, uh, but did expect more of an effort from uh, Vegas in the first of back-to-back road games. Uh, Jacksonville was competitive in their London loss to Denver, yet failed again to justify their role as a, uh, a favorite for a seventh straight time. I believe both straight up and ATS. The Jags are 0-7 in their last seven times as a, uh, a road favorite, and I believe uh, – Three of the failures have been in the past four weeks in that role for uh, Jacksonville. Vegas is spending, as I mentioned, the week on the East Coast, which could be an advantage. The teams, uh, the players get a chance to bond, think things over, and they're not running home to their wives and kids during the week as they would be if they were returning home before heading back west, which east rather, which also makes for additional practice and preparation time. Uh, Raiders have an overall talent edge, which combined with the overall embarrassment of last week, which is a huge mode factor supports backing them here. Last week, it was tough to support them as road favorites uh, as they were playing an experienced team uh, with plenty of uh, recent success in the New Orleans Saints, although they're obviously not quite as competitive uh, without Drew Brees and uh, Sean Payton, the coach, but there's still a lot of talent on that team. Uh, but that, that's not the case here. The the uh, the teams are fairly similar statistically. Uh, the Jaguars are still a team improving, but not quite yet at the talent level as the Raiders. And again, I think that the embarrassment of that loss for a team that was expected to challenge for the playoffs this year, uh, both teams need this win. I think the Raiders and with the better talent and should be better focused for this game. You're asking him basically at minus one to minus one and a half to uh, just win the game. And I think, again, the negative effect, uh, their positive effect of not having to travel this week and Jacksonville coming back from uh, from London is just another advantage. Even though Jacksonville will clearly be focused to try and end their streak, I think the Raiders are better positioned to do so this week. Andy looks for the Raiders to wipe that egg off their face from last week to get out of Jacksonville with the win in the cover. He'll make the Las Vegas Raiders his pick on the show this week. Once again, Andy, a terrific job. As always, we greatly appreciate it. We're going to wish you nothing but the very best of luck this week and look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Thanks, Mark. And again, to you, Victor, and all the listeners slash viewers, uh, the best of success this weekend. Thank you much, Andy. That was Andy Esco joining us. And before we get to our next segment, which will include my awesome angle of the week and complimentary plays from Victor and myself, We've got a complimentary video play coming on for my good friend Jim Feist from Las Vegas. Jim, if you will, take it away. Thanks, Mark. I'm real excited about this week's play. I'm going with North Carolina visiting Virginia. That's right. North Carolina is the favorite in this game, and I make them actually a blowout favorite in this game. So it's not going to be close. Last year, North Carolina ran up about 700 yards against this team and won 59-39. Now look at this. North Carolina has a big edge on offense. Virginia has an edge on defense. But Virginia couldn't push across enough scores last week in a four-overtime loss. That's going to be very draining for this team. North Carolina is pulling away from the pack in the ACC. North Carolina wins this game by 20 points. Good luck, guys. Thanks much, Jim. Much appreciated. Your complimentary video is it each and every week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. With that, now it's time to move on to our awesome angle of the week on the football show this week, and I call our awesome angle Stop Right There. It's not a meatloaf song, one of my favorite songs, by the way, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. We're not talking about Stop Right There, about that. We're talking about fading NFL football teams that think they're good and they're perhaps not really that good. 
What we're looking to do is to play against any 500 exact NFL team in game number nine that's coming off consecutive wins if they're not favored by more than two points. Just that simple. A 500-team game nine off back-to-back wins and not favored by more than two points by playing against these teams since 1995. Four, that's 83% winning play. We'll be playing against the commander for our awesome angle play. Stop right there on this week's card. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap for his complimentary play. And Victor, if you would, let our listeners know about all of what the total tip sheet has got to offer this week. Sure thing, Mark. We've got a big one in the NFL, our four-star over of the week. It's already posted on the website. It's available for purchase. It's available for you to wager on. The line is moving in the game, so you want to get in as soon as possible. And, again, that's available at the playbooksports.com website, our four-star over of the week in the NFL. For our free play this week, we're going to be going to Tuco, but we're not going to his newsletter play, the Total's Tip Sheet newsletter. We're going to leave Tuco's highest-rated play in the newsletter. But he was kind of torn between two different games, and that second-choice play is the one we're going to be playing for our free play on this week's podcast. And, yes, it is a team total. And, in fact, we're going to be playing on the L.A. Chargers to go over their team total. And you know what? Just like conventional NFL over-unders, team totals lines change as well throughout the course of the week. I say that because the Chargers opened up with a team total of 25.0 points in this road game against the Atlanta Falcons. Guess what? It's up to 26 and a half. There is some big time steam coming in on the Chargers to go over their team total of 26 and a half. I want a piece of that. And we recommend you get yours in at that line of 26 and a half before it goes up even further, because we know that both 27 and 28 are both common numbers in the NFL. Many different scoring combinations can result in a team scoring 27 or 28 points. So with the Chargers at 26 and a half, we're going over the total in this particular game against Atlanta. You've got a angry Los Angeles team. They're taken to the road after their bye week. The ribs are getting a little healthier for Justin Herbert at the quarterback position. And what I like about this game is the fact that the Chargers have been a very productive road offense this season. In fact, they're the number two offense on the road this year, 428 offensive yards per game. That's only 15 yards behind the Kansas City Chiefs who are averaging 442 yards per game on the road. Plus, the Chargers are also the number two road scoring offense in the NFL. They're averaging 29.3 points per game in their road games this season. When researching this game for our totals tip sheet newsletter, we realize that the Chargers are a great high-scoring team after their bye week. They've gone a perfect 3-0 to the over after their bye week in each of the last three years with an average of 28.6 points per game. And not only that, this is one of those west-to-east games. A western time zone team takes to the road, plays an early game on Sunday against an eastern a time zone opponent. And in their last three West to East time zone games, the Chargers have averaged 32.7 points per game. Not only that, Mark, but Justin Herbert, this is kind of a weird stat, but his best career numbers have actually been when he's playing in the Eastern or Central time zone compared to the Western or Mountain time zone. His best career numbers have been when he travels east. So we're going to be riding him in a very good situation. Not only that, but under Brandon Staley, the Chargers have gone over the total 10 out of 13 games when the line is less than 50 points, like this game. In Charger games, when the over is over 50 points, they've gone 67% under the total. 
So with this game hovering right around 49, 49 and a half, we're getting good overvalue on the Chargers. Atlanta, you know what you're getting, the number 31 defense this year. They're allowing yep. 416 yards per game. They're allowing 307 passing yards per game. That is dead last in the NFL. We've got a lot of things in the Chargers' favor. So for our free play of the week, we're taking Tuco's second favorite play, and we're playing the Chargers over 26.5 points for their team total on the road against Atlanta. Mark, don't forget the Playbook Football Newsletter, the Midweek, the Total's Tip Sheet Newsletter. And for our King Creole service, we've got a four-star over of the week in the NFL. It's not in the Chargers-Falcons game, so I didn't give you any insight there, but it's up at the website already. And, Mark, what do you have going this weekend? Well, Victor, we got a big weekend coming up this weekend. Our college football revenge game of the year goes this week. We're documented 14-3 and three on this play, going all the way back to 2005. That's our college football revenge game of the year. It's part of a $99 football weekend of winners, or you can get it online at playbooksports.com, where you can also pick up Victor's big four-star over total play this week off that big five-star winning play last week. And before I get to my complimentary play on the football card this week, I want to remind our listeners out there that our good friends at mybookie.ag are once again offering a double first deposit bonus to anybody that deposits at mybookie.ag. When you log on, simply enter the promo code PLAYBOOK to get your double first deposit promo bonus from our friends at mybookie.ag. As I mentioned here also, if you want to find out any of the playbook experts and complimentary plays on video, all you need to do is go to this web address, pb.buzz forward slash video, pb.buzz forward slash video to find out complimentary playbook experts, free picks from your favorite playbook expert. That's pb.buzz forward slash video. With that, let's move over to my complimentary play on the football card this week. And we tried to beat Central Florida last week. We're going to go back and try and beat them again this week. Right from our playbook football newsletter, it's our upset special on Memphis, plus the points against Central Florida. We're going to say this, that coming into this football game here, the Knights do enter this football game with the best team in the nation in red zone defense. That makes stepping in front of them a little bit of a tall task this week, but we're going to do it with the Memphis Tigers in this football game. UCF comes off that big win over Cincinnati last week. Cincinnati had a 19-game conference win streak snapped, making UCF the Knights feeling awfully proud and very big about themselves right now. But we'll say this, the last 10 times that teams have beaten Cincinnati, a conference team beats and takes them out, they're just 3-7 and seven to the spread, 1-7 in the last eight games, I should say. What we're looking at in Memphis here is a football team that loves the role of a home underdog. The last seven times they've dressed up as a home underdog, they've cashed all seven times. And if you like history, you got to love knowing that the home team in this series has gone 14-1 and one against the spread. That's the Memphis Tigers in this football game, and we'll play them plus the points for our top complimentary play on the show this week. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports for another great job on the show this week. Our good buddy Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas for the Vegas vibe as he does each and every week. And until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always. <laughs>